Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. For the first time, the Oregon Department of State Lands has millions of dedicated dollars to remove abandoned or derelict vessels from state waterways. In the past, the department had to request money for cleanups from the Common School Fund. Now it has a two-year budget of nearly $19 million. The first vessel to be removed and deconstructed using these new funds is the 86-foot Tiffany. Crews recently removed it from the Columbia River near Rainier. Bob Dorn is the CEO of Hayek Maritime, which is housing the Tiffany right now. Chris Castelli is acting deputy director of operations for the Department of State Lands. They both join me now. It's great to have both of you on the show. Great. Thanks for having us, Dave. So, Thank you, Dave. Bob Dorn, Pleasure first, to be here. Can, can you give us a sense for the scale of this problem? If you go down the Columbia or the Willamette, how many derelict or seriously problematic boats might you see? You know, it's it, it, there's all kinds of uh, various numbers. Chris can probably come up with a more accurate number. I've heard between 250 and 350 vessels over 32 feet between Bonneville Dam and the mouth of the river. Chris would have a more accurate count, I expect. And Chris, sure. so, and th- those are over 32 feet. So, I mean, and folks may off may be used to seeing much smaller boats that can be people's homes these days. How big a problem is this? Well, Dave, it's a it's a huge problem statewide too. And we we just talked a little bit about the Columbia and the Willamette. That is, uh, it impacts waterways across the state, uh, all of our coastal bays and estuaries, uh, and, and our lakes, uh, publicly owned lakes as well. So you see um, issues above Bonneville Dam too on the Columbia, um, the Klamath Lake, and and certainly other other waterways too. But uh, hazardous boats and ships and other vessels are seriously threaten the health and safety and use of uh, of our public waterways for sure. What are the ways, what are the problems that these vessels present? Well, there, uh, there are hundreds of them, and, I, and, and Bob gave just a number for the for the Willamette and the Columbia there, but um, hundreds of hazardous vessels have accumulated in these waterways, in the public-owned waterways or the ocean, the bays, the rivers, and the lakes. Uh, these vessels, they contaminate water, they damage habitat, they damage the property, which is the public's property, and they impede navigation, uh, and also the, the impact uh, use and enjoyment of our waterways for the people of Oregon. With so many derelict vessels out there, how do you triage this? I mean, how do you decide which ones to focus on? Well, well, that is a great question, and hopefully, uh, coming up with um, inventorying and prioritization is something that our abandoned derelict vessel working group will help us um, come up with the framework for for the for the state moving forward. That's one of the, the endeavors we're doing this year, um, at the request of the state land board and the legislature. Um, but basically, we look at the ones that are the biggest threat to health and safety and navigation, and try to address those uh, when we. Can 
can partner with our partners, whether it be other state agencies like the Marine Board, or uh, in the case of a couple large votes that were off of West Hayden Island, uh, that with that case we partnered with um, Metro and uh, the U.S. Coast Guard. Um, that, that's what we try to do. But it has definitely been uh, without dedicated funding and without a consolidated um, ADV program statewide. It has definitely been a triaging uh, effort. What did prompt this new allocation of money from the legislature? Well, I would say uh, it, there was really a, a lot of momentum. I think there's been a lot of momentum and awareness to the issue of abandoned and derelict vessels over the past several years. And this was a very exciting year uh, because it did come to a head here in 2023. Um, both our, our board, which is the land board, which is the governor and secretary of state and the treasurer, had taken um, uh, extra interest in this as we've been keep coming to them with reports that we're spending common school fund monies on the removal and disposal of these abandoned derelict vessels off publicly owned waterways. Uh, and then also um, in the in the Oregon legislature, uh, with coastal legislators in particular and uh, legislators in the metro area, um, it, it become uh, an, an issue that they decided they wanted to tackle. And they did tackle this session um, with the establishment of the abandoned derelict vessel program and the fund. And then, of course, with the allocation of, uh, of the money um, for us to, to get that program up and running and hopefully make a dent on abandoned derelict vessels. Bob Dorn, what are the challenges of disposing of one of these vessels as opposed to a, a plane or a big truck or, or some other land-based thing? Well, Dave, you hit the uh, nail on the head there. Um, all other forms of transportation can be parked on land and dismantled. Um, vessels generally during their course of their life and every vessel, every vehicle has an age um, and ages out. Um, they're in the water, difficult to transport onto land. So um, as a vessel loses value and the owners uh, get less and less able to maintain the vessel. Vessels generally tend to sink at a dock or alongside a, uh, uh, a river bank or uh, on the coast. Um, so it's it, the, the issue is trying to get them removed from the water. And that's an expensive, um, risky proposition. Uh, so this, this ADV funding is gonna be very good to get rid of most of these vessels. We're in Astoria, located on an old uh, U.S. Navy seaplane base from World War II, and we've developed this into a commercial maritime business park. And, you know, we wanted, we planned on just working on marine vessels, work boats, fish boats. Um, but the way we've set this up here probably provides the state of Oregon and, and corollary the state of Washington with you know, the best possible place to soundly, environmentally, safely dispose of these vessels that have oil, oily water waste, lead-based paint, asbestos, bring them up on land and put the waste streams in their proper place. That's what we can do here. What needed to be done for the Tiffany, this 86-foot-long vessel, j just to get it to your place well it's a it's been a years-long process it was part of a fleet almost a water world fleet up in rainier that was centerpiece by the <laughs> river queen i think the name of the 
ferry boat was, that was a $12 million investment by the state of Oregon to cut that up and finally get rid of it. Um, this particular boat ended up, people were living on it. It ended up sinking. The Coast Guard intervened several years ago, engaged the current salver, Global Diving, out of Seattle. They pumped the boat out patched all the holes, refloated it, and then it's been sitting in this precarious, uh, you know, refloated state. I think um, Chris and DSL made an exactly good um, decision to get that first in this program because it was full of toxic chemicals. It was a meth lab, um, and uh, WCT Marine went up there with a barge, crane, and with Global directing it transferred all this horrible waste inside the boat um, off it into containers for disposal, proper disposal. And then they dove again on the boat, repatched all the failing holes in the hull. And then we brought it down alongside our crane barge down here to our seaplane ramp and used a boat trailer to haul it up into a giant tent. So we've got a clean room, basically, that we're cutting this boat up by use of uh, hydraulic shears and that process um is probably going to be done maybe tomorrow hmm. well, this is this was a, a former coast guard vessel that became a fishing vessel that became eventually s someone's home and a meth lab yeah it, it, it's kind of the process of marine vessels about 100 years old and i think it was originally a, a federal vessel but then it became a fish processor and then it you know became less and less seaworthy sold down and down in the market and then at the end of that it's you know that person with very little invested walks away and then it becomes the problem for the rest of us well, Chris Castelli, that, that gets to my next question because, you know, at, we're talking about this because you now have this dedicated source of funds to take care of these problems for Oregonians. But th what I've read is that this boat alone, the cleanup for this, this boat could be $1.4 million. Is it possible to get the owner of the boat to foot that bill as opposed to taxpayers? Well, Dave, that is a great question. Um, and that is something we do always pursue when we are um, when we are addressing uh, um, abandoned and derelict vessels. Is that we do work to hold the vessel owners accountable by taking legal action to recover the cleanup costs. Um, that is a difficult task. I'm not, not going to tell you that we're we're. Um, overly successful with that they're abandoned and derelict for reason typically but that's because the, the the owner if we can find an owner um doesn't typically have many resources for addressing that so i think prevention is going to be a big part of the the conversation that we have with regards to this uh, abandoned derelict vessel working group that we are convening right now uh besides prioritizing the boats talking about how we're going to spend money uh how are we going to prevent this uh you know turn off the spigot of abandoned derelict vessels moving forward hold owners accountable as they um sell boats for a dollar to somebody if there's these exchanges or uh makes or make possible insurance requirements i think there's a lot of things we're going to try to address with cards to um, ADVs moving forward, and really excited to have this great working group we've uh, we've got uh, to be looking at these difficult issues. Hmm. You know the the phrase you've used a lot is derelict and abandoned, or abandoned and derelict. But what if it's 
Just one of those. What if it's derelict but not abandoned? Uh, I mean, when that, for example, when this boat was someone's home and I guess a, a meth lab, it seems like at, at that point probably it was already a major problem in terms of leaking oil or PCBs or lead or whatever. Um, but if it's also someone's home, how do how does the state or or other authorities deal with it? Well, that is difficult. When when vessels become abandoned or derelict, as you mentioned, they do sometimes become an option for people seeking shelter. And in those cases, uh, and, and with long term camping on public waterways, whether it be on the riverbanks or on the boats. Um, they're difficult situations with no easy solutions um, with regards to camping along the riverbank. So that's another issue as as our manage as our uh, job as managing those publicly on waterways is managing the riverbanks. Um, we try to um, get, we try to get folks connected um, to shelter when we can, um, and we work closely with our partners uh, within the community to connect them with resources um, to try to find the folks shelter. But addressing AD. ADVs, abandoned derelict vessels, once when when folks are are living on them, can does complicate uh, the um, the seizure, the removal, disposal of those vessels. Hmm. Bob Dorn, what's going to happen with all of the parts and pieces that you are chopping up right now? Um, all the metal, all the steel, uh, is going to um, uh, recycling a steel recycling facility in Portland, and will be reconstituted as everyday steel products for you and me. Um, the uh, toxic materials are being separated inside the tent and they'll be going to the proper facilities for the safe disposal of, of those wastes. Hmm. Chris Costelli, this nearly $19 million that we're talking about is one-time funding from, as I understand it, a settlement with Monsanto. What happens when this money runs out? Well, uh, we have the biennium to figure that out. So yes, the uh, the legislature has given us money from that biphenols PCB account, biphenol chlorinated or polychlorinated biphenol uh, settlement, the Monsanto settlement, um, and that does provide us with some momentum for removing vessels now and working towards the long term solutions um, for the ADV program. So we are collaborating with our partners and um, coming up with a sustainable funding source for addressing ADVs is going to be one of the tasks that we are going that they're going to be looking at um, with an ADV program framework. So prevention, response, enforcement, education, outreach, and then potential long-term funding needs and sources. Uh, we do uh, we assume that we will, there will be some recommendations for legislative action in the 2025 session. Uh, the department will present our program framework to the land board for their consideration in the spring of this 2024. Uh, and then we also owe the legislature a report back in February 2024 as well. So there's definitely more to come, but I think we have a great group, um, a diverse group that is working on this through the ADV um, work group, have our uh, third meeting next Tuesday. And uh, I'm excited to see uh, what we come up with for tackling this problem long term. Chris and Bob, thanks very much. Thank you, Dave. Chris Costelli is Acting Deputy Director of Operations at the Oregon Department of State Lands. Bob Dorn is the CEO of Hayek Maritime. If you tune in to Think Out Loud because you love learning about what's happening in our region, you'll love listening to The Evergreen. 
this weekly podcast paints an audio portrait of the Pacific Northwest through the stories of the people who live here. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts.